Fierce listeners, oh my word, we have a treat for you today. I'm fanboying over here. Don't give me that look. All right. So today we have special guests, Scott and Linda Rodin. Anytime you've heard us talk about the idea of stewardship, stewarding your spouse's heart, stewarding your finances, stewarding your time, your resources, your talent, all that kind of stuff, that comes from Scott and Linda. Yes. They are they they are heroes of ours. Scott has written a number of books, and they are here to share their wisdom with us. Mm-hmm. And we had a fun conversation. We talked about some serious things. We talked about their favorite date. We talked about even kind of the theology and the, the ways we're called to love, the four mm-hmm. different types and areas of love that we're called to as believers. So it's definitely in. a power-packed episode, I felt like. I loved it. Yes, me too. We had a fun conversation. So great. we hope you enjoy it. We hope you learned something. I know we learned something. And here we go. All right, today we have Scott and Linda Rodin. Scott and Linda, how are you guys doing today? Very well, thank you. Yeah, we're great. Thanks. Wonderful to be with you. Thank you so much for joining us. I, I got to be honest, uh, I'm I'm a bit of a fanboy at the moment because <laughs> Selena and I were talking uh, beforehand and uh, Scott's ideas for our listeners. I don't know, Scott, would you say you're kind of the, you probably wouldn't say this, are you <laughs> the the main thinker in this Christ, like Christian stewardship and what that biblical stewardship and, and, and would you say that you're kind of the more prolific guy? I would say you are. Would you say that about yourself? <laughs> well, you can say that. I, I wouldn't say that. No, I, <laughs> I have lots of colleagues that are doing phenomenal work in this area and I'm just really privileged to be hopefully one voice out there that speaks into it. Well, I can for sure say that you are the most prolific in the Frederick households <laughs> yes. on this topic. So that's undebatable. <laughs> okay. So yeah, we're, we're very excited to talk to you guys. And I think listeners, if you, as, as you've listened to our podcast over the last year and a half, you've heard us talk about this idea of biblical stewardship. And usually it comes up around the topic of money. And I'm hoping today that we can touch on that. But really, as we'll talk about is it's so much deeper than just your finances. Mm-hmm. Stewardship is really a holistic theology of really how how you how you live your life based on God's word and it's extremely rich and we're going to get into that like I said but first Scott and Linda can you give us just a little bit of a what's your backstory how did you guys meet we're a marriage podcast so we'd love to hear how you met how long you've been together what's your family like and what's a day in the life like for you guys sure um well, Linda and I are actually right now in our 40th year of marriage. We'll complete 40 years and celebrate that anniversary this December. So oh, this is a phenomenal. Kind of a cool time for us. Yeah. We also that's just awesome. passed the date of our 40th first date. Yes, which was oh, wow. uh, <laughs> April. That's awesome. It was, it was a Friday the 13th, 1979. Yeah, Friday the 13th. How about and that? It was, it, was yeah. <laughs> it was actually a good Friday as well. It was, well. yeah. Yeah, so that oh, was wow. our, our first date. Um, we met uh, primarily, we both worked at a hospital, Linda's an RN, and worked uh, medical surgical nurse. And I was running around the hospital as an emergency medical technician and uh, was working in the emergency room and up on the floors. And we just started hanging out. We were sort of friends for a while before we started dating. And once we started dating, it went pretty fast. It was nine months from our first date to our our wedding. Yep. So um, we... Awesome. It was one of those we knew it when we saw it. (laughs) And it's (laughs) been so great. It's been a journey ever since. It's been uh, a blessing. Um, And we got kids and grandkids. Yes, we have three children. We we have two sons and a daughter. Our uh, oldest son lives in Oklahoma City with his wife, and they have two of our grandsons. And our we have one son that lives here in Spokane, 
And our daughter lives in Seattle with her husband and our only granddaughter and another grandson. That's awesome. That's awesome. You have a full, full quiver, as they say, right? A lot, <laughs> we do. A lot of we do. Yep. A Wouldn't blessing. mind a couple more arrows in there in the coming years, but it's okay. Four is good right now. <laughs> hey, awesome. speaking of arrows, Scott, I don't know if I, I don't know if I told you. I know I haven't told you in person, but we are expecting our third mm-hmm. uh, this wow. October. Yeah, yeah that's Thank wonderful. You. Congratulations to you both. When's the due date? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, rough... October eighteenth. Yes. is usually is what they're saying. <laughs> yep. So our our what? last daughter showed up on her actual due date. Our first daughter uh, was a week early. So we're trending to be. Or was she work week on early? Time. We're trending Della to be late. Was, yeah. We're trending to be later on late, time. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. How <laughs> <laughs> oh, good? Do you know what you're having? Not yet. We will find out in Not a few yet. weeks. Mm-hmm. So this, okay. this is okay. a... and if you don't mind my asking it's perhaps a little too personal but uh what is the age difference between that will be between these three children hmm. yeah uh two and a half years are between our first two daughters and then it will be three almost three and a half years yeah about quarter yeah so yeah, yeah. I, the the three year gap is pretty great. I mean, we're gonna only have one in mm-hmm. diapers probably, and that's pretty amazing to me. Oh, wow, very <laughs> so. strategic, very strategic. Yes, <laughs> we were we were not quite as strategic as you. We had there were twenty two months between our first two, and then just two and a half years between the second wow. and third. Wow, mm-hmm. it's a busy yeah. busy, busy time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knows? This episode, we're recording quite a few months ants from when this will go live. So <laughs> we might even have our third child in no, with us. Not <laughs> no, not that far out. But anyway, yeah, so we're excited to talk about uh, stewardship. So, Scott, can you give us kind of an overview? Okay, so w- what is, for the, someone who's maybe hearing the word stewardship for the first time, what does it mean to be a, a biblical steward? Wow, we have an hour and a half for this. Is that right? Um, (laughs) You know, every morning we get up and we make a fundamental decision that guides and directs everything we do for the rest of the day in every part of our life. That's a pretty big statement, but I absolutely believe this. And And the two options we have, we don't make it consciously but we absolutely make it. And the two the decision we make is to go one of two ways. We either look at all of life, you know, it's like booting up a computer. I tell people when you first open up your computer, it takes a few seconds for it to get all the apps in the right place and all the data and all that. We do the same thing when our brains, when we wake up in the morning, we look at our life, we look at our, our challenges, our to-do list, what happened yesterday, what's going to happen tomorrow, all the fears and stresses of the day before everything kind of boots up in our brains in just a few seconds. And in that moment, as we look out on the day ahead of us, we decide either that everything we see, everything that's in front of us, that it all belongs to God, or we look at it and we believe that some of what we're looking at, we really want to control. We really want to hang on to it. it it's really ours. And we'll either go into our day as a what we call a one kingdom person where everything is under the lordship of Christ and we've given it all back to him and he just calls us to take care of it and to steward it. And he'll tell us how if we ask him or we'll go into it in a two kingdom view where some of our life is given over to Christ, but we're still going to hang on and control um, a part of of our life. And Mm -hmm. that decision, that moment will determine everything that happens as we go throughout the day. Um, And really the steward's journey and the whole idea of being a biblical steward is helping people on a journey of walking away from that two kingdom lifestyle 
into mm. the abundant life that Christ has for us, which is that fully surrendered one Lord, mm. one kingdom way of living. So money is a little tiny piece of it. It's a, it's so much bigger. And frankly, even though money has a big impact on us, so many of the other parts of our life that will either come under a one kingdom or a two kingdom way of living um, have huge impacts on the way we live, uh, the, 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 the joy we have in life, the way we relate to others, our identity, all kinds of things. So that's really what we're about, helping people on that journey from becoming two kingdom owners to one kingdom stewards of life. It's so great. I have to be honest, aside from the message of the gospel, I think this is like the second biggest, like faith changing, life changing idea that has mm. been in our marriage and between us and how we, I mean, we really fight to keep that perspective on every front and how we, you know, raise our kids and how mm. we steward our marriage and the decisions yeah. that we make. And I, we are just so blessed. And I just, I just want to ask uh, Linda quickly, um, yeah. how would you define stewardship in the role you know, of being a wife and a mother and what did you guys ever clash on some of those decisions? No, or was they, never, it, they never clashed. I know they're they, perfect. Yeah. They're, like the super, they're the super, well, super absolutely. Team. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I can honestly say that, you know, not well early in our marriage, uh, you know, the whole money issue was, was a challenge because I, I felt that, you know, even, um, before we met, you know, I had, we had our own accounts and things like that. And, and uh, I think I was a little naive coming into the marriage thinking, well, this is mine and that's his. And, um, and then into the marriage, you know, it, things improved a lot, but, but it wasn't until, you know, Scott started, um, you know, really the, the whole idea of stewardship evolving in our relationship also. Um, it was just so much better. It, for me to, to realize that I once I let that go that it isn't mine just the the release and the the comfort in our relationship over that whole area it, it was so much better um, mm. yeah I, I don't know if I really answered your question but yeah it was that. something it, it our marriage certainly evolved as we became um, you know understood the whole idea of stewardship you know in, in its greater mm capacity outside of money but everything else as well everything that you know we have and our children you know as, as a young mom and and even as now a, a, a mother of adult children and grandchildren you know we love them to death but they are gods we we have to steward them as well it we certainly it was something that has evolved in our marriage over the years it wasn't something that right out of the gates we had it all figured out yeah, and I love I love that because there's a lot of listeners out there that are in the early years of marriage and they're like they're trying to figure out how to manage, right? And how and instead of managing, yeah. we can we get this freedom of of stewarding. And I think there's a big dynamic, especially with moms, you know, we can often try to find our identity in our children and how they're behaving and how they're yep. uh, achieving things, right? <laughs> or not achieving, or exactly. you know, we're we're always trying to measure up. And I think when we realize kind of our position and humbly walk in that it really does release a lot of the pressure to perform. It releases us to be who God's created us to be and mm -hmm. not to be more than that or less than that, but just to simply be. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Like what yeah. Scott, what you were saying with the two kingdom kind mm -hmm. of attitude, the two kingdoms applies. It, it implies there's two Kings, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think when, when Absolutely. you are trying to be your own King, 
you're trying to be the important one. You're like, right. like what Selena says, you don't have to strive, but you're actually just a part of what God is doing. That's such a liberating, mm -hmm. freeing theology. And I think that's where Jesus is talking about his yoke being light. <laughs> you know, yeah. that yep. he's in charge. We don't have to be. Mm -hmm. So and on that note, I, I again, we're seeing it's a marriage podcast. This is an extremely, um, this is a rich theology specifically how does the idea of stewardship affect kind of the core areas of marriage this is where i want to drill a little bit deeper i'd love to hear as much as you guys are willing to share but in mm -hmm. terms of like how does stewardship affect how you you fight or how you communicate how does it, how does it affect how you reconcile how does it affect even intimacy in that area of marriage and and in times when there's tension there and couples don't know where to how to be you know reconciled can you just speak add some texture to that well yeah i hope so um the uh <laughs> a, a couple of a couple of uh kind of root things that i'll talk about one is the idea that um it, it comes down in a lot to to whose agenda am i whose agenda is dominating my thinking every day and when i slip back into an ownership mindset in my marriage then my agenda is what's on my mind and I will go into every part of our marriage kind of watching out for what's in it for me. And is, are my needs being met? Are my, are my perspectives being heard? And is my way and my will for where I think we should go being done and being accomplished? It's a, it's very much an agenda sort of thing. Um, and I think that's the root of so, I know when we look back in our marriage and see some of the challenges and some tough, and some of the tough times, I can own the fact that I, I was an owner at that point. I was looking out for my agenda. Um, and so that's kind of, that's the first piece of this whole thing is stopping to say, my spouse is one of God's greatest gifts that he has given me. And I don't own Linda. I don't, I'm not called to control Linda. I am called to steward her. Mm, and when so I good. steward her, I not only am stewarding her as a person, but um, I don't talk just in a, a second about the four levels of relationship that we live in, but my, my greatest goal in a sense is not even her agenda. My greatest goal in my marriage is God's agenda for her. Mm -hmm. And I want to steward God's agenda for Linda. And so I, I have to know what that is. We have to talk about that. Um, I have to be aware of that. And oftentimes that may very well uh, conflict with an ownership viewpoint of my agenda for me. And, and that's where I've got to stop and be, you know, we say sacrificial, but I'll tell you, it's, it's not really sacrificial because if you, if you really live into this, the joy that comes out of it is so much richer than anything you would get. It's not really sacrifice. But my, that's my question for really, um, honestly, Ryan and Selena is how do we steward God's vision for our spouse? Um, and, mm -hmm. and walk along with them and encourage them. And so let me just real briefly, I don't go too theological here, but yeah. um, we Please were do. created, you know, to live in these four areas of relationship with God, with ourselves, with our neighbor and with the created world around us. And in all four of those areas, we are called to be stewards. So we steward our relationship with God by maintaining intimacy with God, by going deeper with God, by all the things that we do to deepen that relationship in prayer and meditation and worship and all the rest of it. Um, you know, we, we steward our identity with our, our relationship with ourself through our identity and making sure that our identity is in Christ and not in anything else around us. We steward our um, relationship with others by being free to, again, let their agenda and their needs dominate so we can live into 
what the journey that that God has them on because this does this goes beyond just Linda and me it goes to our kids um, am I stewarding God's um, intentions for my kids or am I trying to live through them and get out of it what I need from my kids and I mm. I, I tell people if uh, if you don't believe that parents try to live through their kids, you know, go keep, go coach little league baseball for a season. You know? That's, yeah. <laughs> it's all over the place there. And the last one is the relationship with the stuff around us. And Linda mentioned, you know, money, which is a big one, so much for uh, for for couples. Um, uh, what is God's intent for the way in which we together would steward the resources that He puts at our disposal? And then how can I help Linda? in being a faithful steward of those resources as far as she's concerned and vice versa. So th the real richness of this is looking at all four of those relationships and asking myself, um, what is God's intent for Linda in terms of her relationship with him? And how can I help steward that, that intent? Um, mm. And now my focus is on all those areas of relationship. And if she's doing the same with, for me, then we have got this. And she used the word evolving. That's exactly what it is because it just takes time to think and work this through. But um, but that's really, I think, the core of what I would call sort of a theology of, of stewarding marriage. And it's it's actually, and, and Ryan, I have to give you credit for this because you gave me some of these words to think about. It's really being a caretaker of your spouse's heart. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's that's the vision that I have. How do I, how can I be a caretaker of Linda's heart in these four areas of, which is really all of life, all the relationships in life, um, and help her achieve the fullness of God's intent mm. for her. That's the thing that That's I can so be. good. It comes down to discipleship on every level, right? Discipling each other. And just, in fact, uh, we've been talking about this a lot lately, what it means to actually be accountable to one another in marriage. It's not just, hey, what's, you know, have you looked at dirty pictures? <laughs> but it's, are you being who God is calling you to be? Mm. Uh, Scott, one of the themes I heard you kind of bring up uh, as you're talking is this idea of generosity and being generous toward your spouse. And just yesterday I was reading in Luke when Jesus was dividing the, lo the loaves and the fish among the 5,000. And I just got so convicted because my tendency, and I think you're wired, either you have a scarcity mentality or a, an abundance mentality. And my tendency is to be much more on the scarcity side. I mean, I'm more afraid, like I'm the disciples, right? Like, God, Jesus, how are you going to make this tiny bit stretch? And Jesus is saying, right. I got this, right? Mm -hmm. And so that we can't be generous unless we understand Jesus, unless we understand his character, we understand God's power mm -hmm. and his willingness and the fact that he is the owner, not us. So that's so good. I just love love hearing you vamp on it. I could hear you, I could <laughs> listen, listen for hours <laughs> on it. So um, yeah, I, I actually, so where does this theology come? Speaking of... Jesus, where does this theology actually come from in the Bible? I know it's everywhere, right? It's prolific. Yeah. But can you give us just a few good examples of, you know, passages or stories in Scripture where we're really called to be stewards, uh, like you're describing here? Yeah, and it's, um, you know, it's, it is a, it's a theology that is woven throughout everything, and yet probably not specifically talked about in these terms in any one place. Um, but you're exactly right. I mean, all the way back from creation, when we are really understood how God created us. I mean, when you look at when you look at what happened in the Garden of Eden, by the time you get to the end of the second chapter, you have God having created this world in these four areas of relationship. I mean, he, you know, he, he created us to have this intimate relationship with him. Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the evening. They just hung out with God. Um, I think they had a real clear sense of what their vocation, the very, the very first words that God says to his brand new creation, his brand new people, is uh, is vocation. He puts him in the garden and says, take care of this. And then he mm. says, be fruitful and multiply. So fruitful and multiply, 
you know, um, he, he um, institutes marriage, you know, a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and the two will become one flesh. Um, the whole, all of the, all of the relational dynamics in our entire life with God, with self, with each other and with creation are all, they're all just um, put in place in a beautiful way in Eden. Um, and then you see the brokenness that happens in chapter, in chapter three. And from then on, if, if you really read through the, 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 especially the Old Testament, with this thought of mind of, of brokenness at all four of these levels, you just see it in almost every biblical story. You know, there's mm. either brokenness with God by kings that were unfaithful, it's brokenness with self, with people all messed up in terms of who their identity is and who they're following and where they get their applause. It's certainly brokenness with each other with all the hatred and wars and anger that went on. And all throughout Scripture, you see this, this brokenness with creation. You know, and and, mm-hmm. um, and the prophets calling us back to the land and taking care of the land and understanding that, you know, the earth belongs to the Lord and we're here to be caretakers. So um, that whole idea is there. And then I just say at the end, I think when Jesus gives a sense of the new creation, when he when he talks about what's been restored, you know, we obviously get a sense of a relationship with God has been restored. But he also gives us back that we're children of God. He calls us, you know, you're no longer, you know, you're no longer slaves. You're, I mean, or, or far off. You're now heirs. You're children of mm. God. And he gives us back a sense of our identity and who we are. And then he calls us the, you know, the great, com- the great commandment, right? Love God and then love others as you love yourself. Well, there's all three of those relationships. And then he calls us to, to be caretakers of, of his creation, the new, looking forward to the new heaven and the new earth. You know, it's a new earth that's coming. So I think mm. you find it from Genesis to Revelation, just woven throughout. That's so good. I feel like stewardship is just an echo of just how we're loving God well, right? And how he's, how his love is affecting our hearts and leading us mm-hmm. into these things. Linda, I hate to put you on the spot, uh, but no, I was wondering if there were any kind of unique ways that you stewarded Scott's heart or maybe some things that, uh, some unique ways a wife can maybe steward her husband's heart. Um Again, that was something that that has evolved with in our relationship also um, so that you, you know, you don't become a a couple that two people that live under the same roof, but you're sort of like ships passing in the night. And Mm -hmm. you um, we've talked about this of really just confronting each other. And, you know, I, I will start out maybe by saying, you know, you seem we seem like we're we're sort of growing apart a little bit. And can we talk about that? So it's giving each other permission to talk about things. Or I'll say to Scott, you know, on a day where it seems like he's not necessarily upset, but I can tell that he's feeling challenged. And I'll just say to him, you know, How, how's it going? You seem You seem upset today. How are you doing? And it's just, you know, kind of a regular checking in uh, with each other, just emotionally, spiritually, you know, how's it going? And it more often than not, it prompts a really good, deep, warm conversation where Scott will often say, you know, thank you. Um, I've I've been able to share my heart and I feel a lot better as he's trying Mm. to mull over something that's been bothering him for a while, just. Um, you know, not being in each other's space, but, you know, regular check-in time, um, emotionally, spiritually, you know, just how's it going? Or for me saying, you know, um, this is on my heart and I, would it be okay if we talked about it? Yeah. So good. yeah let me so just good. add to that a little bit because she's, 
I mean, it, it's the couple words that she used, I just think are so important here. One is permission. Um, mm. You know, we, we, we've tried to be intentional about giving each other permission to raise issues and speak into each other's lives. And, mm-hmm. um, and you know, you think after being married 40 years, you wouldn't have to do that, but you still do. And it's still, <laughs> sometimes it needs to be restated and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and say, hey, if, if, you, if you see something, say something. You know, if you're concerned about something, say something. If, um, and, and to continually to give that permission really gives some freedom, I think, in a marriage to say it if you need to say it. I know a lot of people in marriages that are afraid to bring something up to their spouse. Well, that's because the spouse hasn't given them, if you will, that freedom to do so. And then when they do bring something up and it's not what you want to hear, that you're not going to hold it against them, right? And you're going to take right. it into the bedroom and you're going to take it into the finances. And so it it, mm. it all goes back to that agenda. You know, um, Linda, when Linda stops and says, how you doing? You seem you're upset. It's because she she really cares about about my heart and and where I am, and she knows that I'm letting something get to me, and it's it's great because I get a chance to sit and talk about it. Um, so yeah, I just want to affirm yeah. that. I think she's she's right on. Well, and it comes from uh, kind of a place of security in Christ, where you can ask that question, and you're not internalizing it. What's wrong with your heart? Is a question that says, "I care about your heart, not." How, how are you serving me the way I think you should, mm-hmm. but really how can I serve you mm-hmm. and see right. what's going on in your heart and your head? It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So many things, I think uh, the, the big sins that kind of derail marriages that we're seeing and the couples that ride in and the relationships that we, we have in our community group and stuff, it's always going to be pride based, <laughs> um, which is, a, yeah. you know, kind of the, the biggest <laughs> spiritual sin. It's kind of the root of all sins. And then, selfishness, right? And I feel like this diffuses that, but we're not perfect, right? And so we have to kind of, like you said, continually renew that permission. I love that. Mm -hmm. What, I mean, both of you guys speak to this. I'd love to hear both, both of your um, kind of takes on this, but what are the common pitfalls for, for couples? I mean, in your time and 40 years of being married, how can we get distracted from this idea of stewardship? What is the most common way that we get distracted from it? Well, it's a great question. Um, and, you know, this, this idea of being a faithful steward, it, is, it, it begins at such a deep personal level because I can't steward Linda's heart if I am an owner in my own. So I have got to be working on my own stuff. And, you know, one of the things we do when we walk people through different trainings and stuff is we have them actually name and write down what is your second kingdom stuff? What's the stuff you're hanging on to? And I tell people they're having a hard time with their list to, to ask their spouse because they'll tell them what their second kingdom stuff is um, pretty clear or ask your kids. They know what your second kingdom stuff is. But I really think that that, that is such an important exercise for us. It's kind of, you know, it's a, it's a first step in confession. It's naming what's there and saying, I'm hanging on here. I'm holding on. I'm trying to own and control this part of my life. And if we don't deal with that stuff, it will just swamp our marriage uh, mm. because that ownership control hanging on to attitude will come right over into how we deal with our spouse and with our kids. So that's that. And it can be all kinds of things there. It can be we talked about this before we came on. We were kind of thinking through this. Um, it can be your career. You know, you can just be so wrapped up in the pride in your career that it dominates everything. I mean, how many people out there, uh, Ryan and Selena, that you work with? Um, have seen marriages almost destroyed because one of the two spouses or sometimes both are so wrapped mm-hmm. up in their career that they've lost, yeah. they've lost touch with each other. Um, mm-hmm. It can be career. It can be identity. 
Um, you know, if I find my identity in anything other than Christ, and that's confirmed through my spouse, if I find it any other place, then that's going to be where my affections go. So mm. if my identity is wrapped up in my job, or then people at my job are going to have a lot of um, influence in my life. And that's where guys can begin to look for affirmation from other voices. And we know where that goes. When you begin to, to need affirmation from other voices than, than your mm. spouse and, and through Christ. Um, and it can go on and on and on. I mean, even even situations where there's anger within a marriage because one of the two spouses is hanging out with friends or wanting to go out and do things with other people. Um, that's just this lack mm-hmm. of freedom to be able to give give them other give the other person that joy and freedom of being able to have other relationships and the richness of community and other relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, it's security and, and freedom and all the rest. So I would just say, I just tell everybody, name your second kingdom stuff. And then if you're courageous enough to do it, you know, sit down with your spouse and put put your put your two lists together and look at your second kingdom stuff. And then it goes back to accountability. How can I help Linda become more of a joyful one kingdom person by helping her to let go of and be set free from some of her second kingdom stuff? And she's got to be doing the same for me because I've got it. I'm still hanging on to it. Um, And that's joy and that's freedom just to just to sit down and have that conversation with each other. And recognize, because it's not always the same. In fact, it's usually not the same. Our lists are different, but it's going to impact her and it's going to impact me. It's going to impact our marriage. So um, that that would probably be my my biggest recommendation is to take a look at that stuff. I, I heard you. Um, <laughs> We're just taking notes over here. Just yeah, you should see things that. down. <laughs> you talked about kind of um, yourself, yeah. right? And you talked about those four areas of love and in, in the sense of you're supposed to, we're called to know ourselves and to steward ourselves in a lot of ways. And so much of stewarding ourselves means obviously, you know, taking care of your physical body, but also ca- taking care of your, your heart and your mind, your emotions. So one of the things that I know in the husband's group that we have um, on Facebook, uh, emotional intelligence is something that I think we uh, are underdeveloped nowadays, mm-hmm. right? And emotional maturity. Yeah. And so asking these questions, I feel like takes a certain level of emotional um, vulnerability for sure, but also yeah. a certain amount of introspection to be able to look inside my own heart. And and we've been married going on 16 years and I'm just, I've just realized that I'm a pretty like terrible processor of my own emotions. I need <laughs> Selena to help me. It took me 16 yeah. years to get there. Um, so I love the, the, the dynamic of being transparent. I think is what I'm getting at is... Mm-hmm. It's really a call to transparency yeah. in these areas and giving them access into the every avenue and every little nook and cranny of your heart mm-hmm. and giving them, um, I think Andy Crouch talks it t- talks about it as a, it's a, a meaningful risk, like taking meaningful risk and exposing a certain part of your heart to each other gives you yeah. the opportunity to steward each other well, right? So yeah. I want to give, Linda, I wanted to give you a chance to kind of weigh in on that and, and what are the common areas that you see um couples trip up on or you felt kind of your tendency as as a wife and a mother kind of trip up on these what scott says you know that second kingdom uh the second kingdom area right um you know one thing i wanted to add in addition to what scott was saying is that um even you know like for me as an example you know volunteer work in um at the church or even your your service in christ and to christ can um you can get so involved and that can be so Mm -hmm. out of balance. And even though it's easy to justify, well, I mean, I'm, I'm 
volunteering at church and and this is my <laughs> my actions are christ centered but it, if it consumes you um and your relationship you know with your spouse suffers just because of the amount of time that you're away um you know that isn't a real positive thing either and that's another area where you just kind of have to watch and be careful um mm, and so and true. you know as um getting back i think a little bit to selena's question too i don't know about your personal relationship but um you know with scott and i he's he's um he's kind of high profile and i'm you know so, so much the opposite um in, in terms of you know what what i'm doing and in my comfort zone and that kind of thing and and when you have you know and because of his gifts and his abilities and passions um you know we are very different people and again just um you know trying to come together and communicate and on a regular basis and mm. and not have you know one one person's um desires and goals and and job become more important than the other i know as a mom selena and, and ryan not that you're not an involved dad i'm sure that you are um but but selena you're probably going 24 7 as a mom and um need a bit of a break and have some intelligent conversation with adults and friends and things <laughs> like that and so uh, anyway, it's it's just a, yeah. a balance and recognizing that even though our husbands uh, or spouses uh, are involved in in Christ-centered work, mm -hmm. um, it, it can still um, create a, a stressor in your marriage, and and it mm -hmm. can be you know you can be off balance with that too. Yeah, and I can give you a let me give you a specific example. Um, when we lived in Philadelphia, I was I was president of Eastern Seminary, and Linda was the nurse manager of a very large medical practice outside of Philadelphia. So we were both professionals going 120 miles an hour with three young kids, but she had huge responsibilities for triage centers, for a pharmacy, for a, a practice that had 25,000 patients. I mean, it was a wow. significant medical job. Well, when we moved to Spokane, uh, we were in a situation where she kind of had a choice whether or not she wanted to continue working uh, in her profession. And she chose at that point with the ages of our kids and everything uh, to, to stop, stop her career as an RN. And, um, hmm. you know, I think over a little bit of time, there was a, there was an identity crisis there. Oh, years, yeah. years, yeah. years. Yeah. And I probably didn't, not probably, I didn't, I didn't recognize it as quickly and as early as I wish I would have. But it was mm. finally when she was you know, opened up and we started talking about it uh, several years into that, that I realized the depth to which she was searching for what is my identity now? Because a lot of it, I mean, she was, her identity was always been strong in Christ, but there's that, that vocational sense of what am I contributing Absolutely. and all. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we had to have some good conversations about <laughs> that. And I think I finally you know, was sensitive enough, or maybe she just finally smacked me across the head and said, hey, we need to talk about this. Um, <laughs> but uh, we had some good conversations and we talked about that. And she's, you know, she's obviously significantly involved in elder in a church and, and working a lot of uh, nonprofit stuff and is, has a very rich and full life. But that was a that was a moment where I wish I would have been, uh, Ryan, what you were saying, I wish my emotional IQ had been higher. And I would have been watching and listening a little bit and I could have picked it up earlier and we could have talked about it earlier. 
Uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, a missed opportunity. <laughs> well, I wouldn't, I, yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say it's too missed because sometimes Ryan points things out to me too quickly and I'm not ready to talk about them. So <laughs> I'm sure it was probably God's perfect timing on some things. <laughs> but um, yeah. no, you actually, you guys hit, you know, you hit the nail on the head, of course, like as, as a mother and as a wife, sometimes we feel like our roles are diminished and, um, yeah. and that's not true. Obviously there's eternal work in raising children. It's not the here and now, exactly. you know, it's, exactly. I mean, it is so much of it is, but keeping that perspective and understanding that we are stewarding these lives for God and what a privilege and honor that is, um, even in the midst of the, the dirt and the grime. Absolutely. Um, so it yeah, is, no, yeah. Yeah, even when our identities are completely rooted in Christ, we still are chipped away at, right? <laughs> we still have yeah. these Absolutely. these arrows Absolutely. coming at us. It was it was the whole, you know, my identity. I didn't realize to what extent, but my whole not whole identity, but a good part of my identity was tied to bringing home a paycheck. And, mm -hmm. you know, obviously, you know, my children were very important too, but it was that was the piece that I had such a hard time, you know, uh, trying to mm -hmm. to justify myself yeah. because I wasn't, yeah. you know, bringing mm. a check home every week. And, um, you know, but but over time, I realized more and more, even though our children were, um, you know, going into high school and college, it's just it it God finally smacked me in the head and said, oh, my gosh, you know, your role as a mother is is so much more important as the role that you had with your career. I mean, you touched a mm. lot of lives there, but your children um, and now your grandchildren, the opportunity that you have to be present in their lives, mm. um, so regardless of what age they are. Um, mm. You know, it took me a long time to realize that. And I thank God that I finally did, but yeah. um, it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't my job that was my identity. It was, it was being a, a wife and a mother. And, um, you know, I know nowadays too, it's, it's still, um, you know, a lot of people are very critical of stay at home moms. And, and I just think that is just, you know, <laughs> such baloney <laughs> because it's, you know, mm -hmm. it's one of the greatest, greatest roles that you can have. And, um, just, you know, I thank God that, that, for opportunities. I know many, many, many women don't have that choice. But um, anyway, I, I was happy that it, mm -hmm. I finally was given that opportunity. And I feel badly that it took me so long to realize that my identity was a bit misplaced. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Linda, I love I love what you said about it being kind of baloney that the culture doesn't, you know, stay at home moms get a a bad rap. Right. Because the Industrial Revolution yeah. is the only, only reason that we work out of the house. And that's and, you know, we don't have any the subsistence, you know, um, and farming and agricultural, all that kind of stuff has been kind of weeded. Just, just tech, technology is just taking us there. Yeah. But we're in this weird part of human history where like we haven't figured out how to live alongside technology. And mm -hmm. so um, yeah. anyway, the idea of stewardship to me is so liberating because it liberates us from these obligations of. I have to keep up with the Joneses. Instead, it's it's God's. It's all God's, and I'm just stewarding my little area, corner of the world, mm -hmm. um, my family, my kids, my wife, or yeah. your you know husband, vice versa, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I, I love that that contrast. Um, so I think in closing, I want to just I guess highlight the idea of comparison 
um, and how that's such a, uh, I mean, that's a little bit what you're talking about, Linda, in terms of comparing even your, your career and the paycheck and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of the younger couples are really dealing with that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they're really struggling with, man, I have to have this job. I have to have this high, this mm-hmm. income, all this right. stuff, because I have to keep up with everybody. If I'm not, you know, achieving, then I'm not making, you know, Instagram and Pinterest and Facebook <laughs> updates and everything's <laughs> got to be just perfect all the time. And yeah. Where can a young couple who's maybe in their first five years of marriage, where can they go? I guess this is where I want to get really practical. And so I'd love to hear some of your resources. Where can they go to start learning this theology of stewardship and start applying it to their own lives? Well, um, let me let me do one brief little teaching before, before I send you there. Um, because I do think yeah. both in our personal life and in our marriage, um, I have come to a, a, a sweeping conclusion um, that I wish I would have known when Linda and I first got married and when I was a young person starting out in my career. And that is simply this, that how you define success will drive everything you do in life. Yep. Um, and when I talk to millennials, young folks, young marriage that are so angst, have so much angst and so stressed out because of this whole fear of missing out, this comparison, this envy, everything mm-hmm. else, um, they they come to a real, realization that they have defined success for themselves in terms of how they stack up to other people. Mm-hmm. And that's a recipe for total disaster in anything that you mm-hmm. do. So the question is to step back and say, for me personally and for my marriage with Linda, how do what is our definition of success? What is a successful marriage? What is a, what is a successful life? And when I orient that around being a faithful follower of Jesus and a faithful steward of everything he's given mm. me, if, I, if, if his applause is enough for me, then mm. it really does have a, a pretty dramatic change on everything else. Um, I, I do get a chance to hang out with some young folks and we talk about these issues and you can actually physically see the relief in their face and in their shoulders when you tell them that if you go to bed at night believing that you were faithful to what God called you to do that day, mm. that that is enough. I mean, that is success. And mm. doesn't matter how the rest of your life looks on Facebook, that is the ultimate guide to success. And it's the same thing in our marriage. If we believe that today we stewarded our marriage well for God, um, and I helped maybe Linda be a little bit more faithful steward and she helped me be a little more faithful steward. If that's our definition of success, that will stand in the face of any of this idea of comparison and jealousies and concerns about what other people are doing. Um, and I think that's the abundant life that Christ had us, you know, called mm. us to live. So, so, um, so that, good. that would be a, a word there. Um, and, I, um, we have not, we are just now developing. In fact, I just wrote something, Ryan, I'm excited to share with you. But um, we're just now developing this, this steward theology in this context of what does it mean to be a caretaker of my spouse's heart. Uh, so mm-hmm. more and more that's going to be showing up on our website, in our training, and our teaching. But in terms of just doing it from an individual side, people can go to our website, thestewardsjourney.com, pretty straightforward. Um, and the resources are there in terms of uh, workshops. Uh, I blog every week. I do a daily text that people can get on their phone if they just want an encouraging word at 7 a.m. every morning. Um, (laughs) And uh, and so all the the resources are there and hopefully more and more to come uh, on this whole idea of what does it really mean to be the caretaker of my spouse's heart. Um, That's awesome. 
And we'll include, uh, for listeners, we'll include those URLs mm-hmm. um, and what Scott's mentioning in the show notes for this uh, episode. So make sure and check those out so you don't miss those. We do like to close out every mm-hmm. episode with a fun question. <laughs> and it's, what is your favorite and most memorable date? Now, you can both share the same one or you can both have your own favorite <laughs> memorable date. They can be funny, special, romantic, whatever, whatever that is for you. Well, we, um, yeah, we're laughing because we both kind of know what it is. And it's probably the same for both of us. So I'll, I'll, I'll create the context and I'll let Linda fill in the, the, uh, the emotional details of it. But, um, uh, I think once we had realized that our relationship was pretty special and might be moving in a good direction, we thought, and we didn't do this overtly, but we decided to test it to its limits. And so, um, we decided to go on a, uh, three day backpacking trip. And um, I chose the trip and uh, ended up choosing an incredibly grueling seven and a half mile each way uh, trip into some beautiful lakes in the Olympic Peninsula here in Washington State. But we strapped on, you know, 40, 50 pound packs and uh, really still not knowing each other terribly well. We went up and tried to spend three days together camping, hiking, fishing and just uh, all of that together. And um and it, it, it had its significant ups and downs. Uh, but I think that the, the, uh, the good thing is when we got back down and our feet had healed and other things had healed a bit, uh, we were still together. Um, but I want to let Linda share a little bit about uh, her perspective of what that felt like. I just, I just will never believe him anymore when he says, oh, the car is just around the corner. Um, yeah, it was, you know, hi- hiking out after it was seven and a half miles and a stretch of road that, that Scott thought was near the end was probably at least two miles from the end. And, you know, you, you obviously start anticipating and you want to trust the person that you're with but in that respect. But anyway, it was, it was a great trip um, just in terms of we both realized how much we each love and we both love being in the outdoors and camping and fishing and, Mm. and, you know, he loved me without makeup and with, you know, two days of (laughs) no shower bath and tent hair and, um, (laughs) you know, all of that that comes with, with camping and and hiking. And, um, you know, he was a gentleman when, when the, the top of the trail didn't, wasn't quite right over the next, hillside it was beyond uh, <laughs> he came and got my pack and carried it up for me and so oh, good. Um, with all of those things we realized that you know we still wanted to, to be together and and uh he saw me when I was kind of crabby and all those hmm. all those things but it was good fun it was good fun and we both immediately identified that as the most memorable uh, first date because it came just a couple months after we started dating. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is a very unique version of premarital counseling that you were, yeah. you're developing a curriculum. <laughs> a crash course there. A crash trial course, yes. Trial by fire, yes. if there ever was. Yeah, trial by fire. Trial by fire. That's a good name. Keep that one. <laughs> I, will, I will tell you, That's, though, there was one moment on that trip that, that I still remember, and that is we we were kind of playing around and um, I had a roll of toilet paper and I told Linda, I said, Hey, go out for a pass. So she kind of she has her hiking boots on. So she goes out for a pass and I throw her this roll of toilet paper and just about her, she's just about to catch it. And her foot catches on a, on a limb 
and she just goes sprawling. I mean, she just falls oh, no. flat out in the dust. And, and I, I held my breath for a minute and she got up and looked at me and she just burst out laughing. And, and I thought, you know, I, I can marry this woman. I think I can marry this woman. <laughs> That's incredible. Well, you guys have been a joy. Oh, Thank you so goodness. much for, for sharing yes. just from your own lives and, mm-hmm. and from your hearts. And I, I just know that uh, it's, gonna, it's helped us. I know it's going to help hopefully in thousands of listeners. So thank mm. you again for joining us. Yes. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Thank Thanks. you. It's, thank it's you. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks to you both. All right, guys. Take care. All right, Fierce listeners, thank you so much for joining us for this special interview with Scott and Linda Rodin. If you want more resources from Scott, just visit his website. It's thestewardsjourney.com. You can actually buy his books directly from kingdomlifepublishing.com, which is Scott's own publishing arm. Again, I hope you've enjoyed this and you learned a ton. And until uh, next time, stay fierce. Thank you for listening to the Fierce Marriage Podcast. For more resources for your marriage, please visit FierceMarriage.com or you can find us with our handle at Fierce Marriage on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you so much for listening. We hope it's blessed you. Take care.